0: How you guys doing today? You guys happy to be here? We're so thrilled that you're here today. We're gonna have fun together. This is a big party across all our campuses, across multiple continents. We love to party here at Saddleback Church. We love to have a good time. Uh, This comes from our belief that our God is a fun God. He loves to bring joy to our lives, and so today really is all about that. Uh, I have a message for you. It's a really short message. It may be the shortest message that you ever hear me give here at Saddleback. This may be the shortest service that we ever have. Somebody just just hollered. I don't know what that means. (laughs) You like short services? Uh, But before I get to today's message, I want to make sure you know next week we start a brand new teaching series. It's called Relating to Humans. And if you're like me, over the last few years, it's been hard to relate to some people in our lives and really in our world. Uh, So much has shifted with technology. There's so much tension in our world. And we're gonna talk about a different way to relate to the people around us. God has some things to say in the Bible about how to have healthy relationships. So it's gonna be a practical series. I wanna invite you back for that. That's also a great series to bring a friend. That's gonna kick off next weekend here at all of our services relating to humans. Now, to start today's message, I want to begin with a question or a consideration. And I want you to think back in your life a party that you went to that was a really good party. Maybe one of your favorite parties, or it could just be a party that you had a great time at. And I want you to start thinking through what were the elements, what was present at that party that was a good party. And you could write these down on your notes. You received them when you walked in. Uh, What were some great components of a great party? And when I think about a great party, my family, we love the party. We have three kids, they love to have fun together. And I'll show you some of our pictures here. Uh, A good party almost always involves ice cream or cookies, does it not? You gotta have some sugar there for it to be fun. Uh, A great party involves time with the people that you love. We have a Mother's Day party. This is a picture of me with some of my guy friends. Uh, This is a picture with some of our longtime friends celebrating a 40th birthday. You can see, I love the 80s up there. And uh, these parties all represent good memories in my life. Friends, food, laughter, lots of celebration. And every one of the good parties in my life were a party, it was a party with a purpose. There was a purpose behind us gathering Now, if we're honest with ourselves, all of us have been a part of a lot of different types of parties. Some parties, when we look back on our lives, are like, yeah, that was a great party. And then maybe there are some parties that we regret. Maybe there are some choices that you made at a party that you regret. And I would venture to say that humans, what we do is we party to either celebrate life or avoid life. And we have a tendency to, to do one or the other. But inherent within us in the way that God has made us, God has made us or designed us for joy. He's designed us to experience the fullness of life. So that's why in every culture, Cinco de Mayo in Mexico, New Year's Eve or New Year's celebration in China, New Year's Eve all across Europe. We celebrate in every culture because God has designed us or wired us for joy. And yet so often the parties that we have can bring regret or shame. But we're going to talk about a different kind of party. It's a party with a purpose. In fact, when Jesus was here, God in human flesh, for 33 years, Jesus loved to party. And one of the biggest reasons why Jesus was criticized was because he partied with people. He partied actually with people that religious folks wanted to have nothing to do with. And in one particular occasion in Mark chapter 2, I'll read you these verses... Jesus is with a group of people called sinners and tax collectors. These are ordinary people with broken lives, people who would not have been welcomed into a religious institution or a church in that generation, and Jesus was with them. In Mark chapter 2, it says, Jesus was with or having dinner at Levi's house. Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed Jesus. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Another version of the Bible says, why does he spend time with scum of the earth? So Jesus was drawn to people whose lives were broken, and he would throw parties to help them understand what God is really like. One time in Matthew chapter 22, verse 2, Jesus makes this statement. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. So God is a God that invites us as humans to a party. He invites us to a banquet. And some people experience that party. Some people experience the banquet that God invites us to, and some people miss out on it. And I want to talk today about how we receive or step into receiving that invitation to do life with God, the party to respond to the invitation to the party that he is inviting us all into. And the first point that I want to share with you is that in order to enter into the party that God invites me to, I first must reconsider my understanding of God. Jesus came to help people reconsider what it was that they believed about God. And that's why so many of the religious leaders were confused because they had this image of God. And maybe you have an image of God that God is this far off distant God. And he is looking for every opportunity to judge. Maybe you've seen him or thought of him like this cosmic killjoy just trying to take away all your fun. And so many of the religious leaders, they they had that view of what God is like. But Jesus showed us a different view of God. In fact, if you want to know what, Jesus is, what God is really like, just look at Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. And when we do, when our view of God changes, it changes our approach to God. So my view of God currently is determining my approach to God. So if you see God as this far off distant God, your view of God will determine your approach to God. My view of God is shaping whether or not I wanna come close or I don't wanna have anything to do with him. And there's so much that influences this for us. I mean, doesn't it get impacted by what we we see when we look at people who are followers of Jesus? And maybe you know somebody who's a follower of Jesus and they're judgmental and because of that you wanna have nothing to do with Christianity. Or perhaps religious experiences or our parents or our families growing up can all impact our view of God. But Jesus came to show us a different view A view that would cause us to all want to move towards God instead of away from Him. I'll explain it like this. I grew up in Michigan. I've said this before in messages. Midwestern United States of America. Those of you from our global audience, it's a place where a lot of people move from. You know, they want (laughs) to get to warmer weather. And so I left when I was 18. But growing up, there, there was a big deal. There were a lot of people that really cared about football. Now, I'm not talking about the Detroit Lions. Um, they've been really bad for a long period of time. But there's a team called the University of Michigan Wolverines, and they're really good. In fact, right now, they're really good. And uh, I was taught growing up that we should hate Ohio State Buckeye fans. <laughs> we should have nothing to do with them. In fact, we were to associate the red of their jerseys with Satan himself. <laughs> and so... Whenever you saw a Buckeye fan coming, you, you ran from the Buckeye fans. You wanted to have nothing to do with them. But, you know, I grew up, and I met some people who were Buckeye fans. And they weren't as bad as I thought that they were. In fact, actually, we have staff members at Saddleback Church that are Buckeye fans. And they're okay people. I like them. I, in fact, some of them I really enjoy working with. I still pray for them. But I really do like them. And my view of Buckeye fans has changed over the course of time. I will still not cheer for them, but I like the the, the people. And your view of someone impacts your approach to them. Your view of God is currently impacting your approach to God. And today, I want to encourage you to reconsider your view of God. What if the way you've thought about God your entire life is wrong? What if there's a different way to see God, the real way, for who he really is that would cause you to want to move towards him instead of away from him? Well, Jesus gives us a story to help us understand what God is really like. In Luke chapter 15, it's called the parable of the prodigal son. And I want to look very briefly today at this story to help us reconsider our belief about God. Jesus describes the Heavenly Father like this. He says, The father or the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like a man who had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. So imagine this young son is asking for the inheritance. It's in essence him asking for his father to die. Like I want the money. I'd rather have the money than you. Give me my inheritance. And so this father divides the inheritance between the two sons. The son then takes the inheritance, it says in verse 13. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. So in a moment, this son takes all the money, the inheritance. He drinks it, he smokes it, he snorts it, he uses it, and it's all gone. And there's an emptiness that is now going to set in because this son is going to the place that he thinks will fulfill him he's trying to run as far away as possible from his father and there in this distant land he empties himself he pours out his life trying to find satisfaction and the story continues it says about this time as money ran out and a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve it's starting to pour when it rains it pours and here is this guy He's starving physically, he's empty spiritually, emotionally, and he's hurting. He persuades a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding, the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. And here he is, pursuing the thing that he thought would fulfill him, and he finds himself at a place of emptiness. Now, maybe you haven't run to a distant land and spent all your money on drugs, but there's an emptiness internally. The thing that you went to that you thought would satisfy you, that relationship that you thought would bring you satisfaction, that career that you went after or that home that you bought and you thought deep down in your soul you would find peace, but now you find yourself empty, hurting, and you find yourself at a place where there's this hole in your heart that nothing will fulfill. And I would suggest to you today the very reason that nothing in this world will fill that hole in your heart is because that hole in your heart was placed there by God and there's nothing in this world that can fill it. You are an eternal being that was created by God for the purpose of relationship with Him. And the only thing that can satisfy that part of your heart is a a relationship, a life-giving relationship with the Creator of the universe. And the second step for us to enter into this party that God's inviting us to, is for us, for me to reevaluate my source of fulfillment, to me to, for me to come back and say, what is it that I'm looking to to make me happy on the inside? Where am I going for purpose in my life? And if I'm going to something that is not des- designed by God to fill the hole in my heart, I will find myself empty over and over again. And the story says that this young man that has pursued fulfillment in verse 17, it says finally he comes to his senses and he says to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare and here I am dying of hunger. So now he's starting to consider again, recognizing his emptiness. I want you to hear this, recognizing my emptiness can become the beginning of my hopefulness. It's in recognizing that the thing I'm doing is not working. It's in that movement that I can begin to turn back to the source of life and hope. I remember as a kid growing up watching Dr. Phil and one of Dr. Phil's famous lines was, how's that working for you?" (laughs) And sometimes we have to ask that question of ourselves. How is it working? Is it really bringing fulfillment to our lives? Is the thing that we're chasing truly satisfying us? And Jesus gives us this picture of an empty young man and the heartbeat behind the love of God, that there's a father back home, that now this young man starts to think, well, maybe I can go back home. Maybe I can make a turn back to my father. And he starts going through this I'm sorry speech. It says in his mind, he says to himself, I'll go home to my father, and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please, Take me on as a hired servant. So now in his mind, he starts to think through, well, maybe I'll say it this way. Maybe the father will welcome me back home. So he returns to his father, and I just imagine this long walk that he's going on. And what he's imagining will happen when he gets home. Because in his culture, he should have been sentenced to death for what he's done. The way that he has torn apart the family name. The way that he's wasted the inheritance. And he's practicing this speech. But Jesus tells us this story to help us understand what God is really like. And he says, while he was a long way off, while the son was in a distance, the father saw him coming. Which means that for ages, this father has been waiting for the son to come home. And the story says that this father is so different than any other father this father is filled with love and compassion so he runs to his son, he becomes undignified, and I imagine this father weeping tears of joy that his lost son is home again, and the story says that when he gets to him, he can't take it any longer, and he wraps that son in his arms, and he bear hugs him, and he embraces him, he pours out this lavish love upon him, and the story says that the son is going on with his speech, I'm sorry, I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned against you, and I just imagine the father saying it's behind us it's in the past the guilt the shame let it go don't practice your I'm sorry speech anymore you're home I got you back this is what I wanted this is what I've cared about all along so as he's going on the father turns to his servants and he says quick bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him get a ring for his finger and put sandals on his feet and for those of you your whole life, that have had somebody who's vegan, who has tried to convince you that it's the right way to live. You just need one Bible verse, and this is your Bible verse right here. (laughs) Kill the fattened calf. Notice it's not the fattened carrot, my friend, who is (laughs) vegan. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead, and he has now returned to life. He was lost and now he's found, and that last line, so the party began. The God of the universe is wanting to throw a party for his kids. He's inviting you and me to a banquet, to a celebration, and it requires me, it requires us to return home to our Heavenly Father, and that's the third step, is to return to my Heavenly Father, to come back home. You know, God is inviting you home today, There's no place in this world that is more a place of home than the heart of our Heavenly Father who loves us. And no matter what your background is spiritually, no matter what religion you grew up with, no matter if this is your first time listening to a church message or coming to a church building, there is a God that loves you so deeply, not with a generic far-off distant love, but with a personal love that is so personal He would step from heaven to earth to become one of us, to live among us. And the scripture says that God demonstrates his love for us, that while we are still sinners, Christ, he died for us. Jesus, the son of God, God in human flesh, went to a cross because of love. Because he cared about us. Not because of Roman soldiers, not because of Jewish Jewish leaders that wanted to put him there. It was all his plan from the very beginning to make a way to get his kids back home to his heart so he would pay the price so that your sins, so that my sins could be forgiven. Coming back home to God requires me to admit that I've sinned and I need a savior. It requires an acknowledgement internally in our hearts that there's a brokenness. And we can look at what the Bible teaches about sin, which sin is erring or missing God's perfect mark. Every human being at some level, aside from Jesus, has missed God's perfect mark. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages of sin is death. That means that sin should separate us from a holy God. That means that all the jealousy, all the moments of selfishness, all the pride inside of me, in every single human being, all of us, should be separated from God for eternal life, for eternity. But God steps into our place and gives us a gift, a gift of eternal life, as the scripture says, through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So this is contrary, friends, to every world religion. See, religion at its core is all about what we can do to get back to God. If I keep the rules and the regulations and I try hard enough that maybe some way, somehow I can get back with what I do. But the message of Jesus is all about what God has done in coming to us. So he steps down to live among us. And he takes our sin upon a cross. He conquers the grave. He comes forth victoriously three days later after being placed into a grave and makes a way that the gift of eternal life can be ours. But it requires us to admit that we need a Savior. It secondly requires me to believe that Jesus is the solution. So he is the only one that can pay the price. He is the perfect, sinless one that can pay for my sins and your sins so that we can be reconnected to God. And in that moment when I believe in him and I trust in him with my life, he says that I liter- literally become a child of God in John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who received him, believed in him, and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. To anyone, no matter what their religious background, to those who would believe in him and accept him, he gives the right to become children of God. And some of you, you, you've been longing your whole life. There's, There's something internally inside of you that is empty that only God can fulfill. And it's because he designed you and made you for relationship with himself. And your heart will only find its place of peace, its resting place in relationship with him. You were made to be a child of God. You were made to do life with him. And by believing in Jesus, the Son of God, relationship with you and God can begin in this moment and go through all eternity. So I must believe. But there's a third component, and it's a confession where I confess my surrender to his leadership in my life. There's a yieldedness. There's a surrender. And Jesus' death on a cross, his resurrection, his paying the price for my sins is not so that we could have a casual relationship with him. It's so that he would be Lord, master, the one that is in charge of our entire life. And when I confess with my lips and I believe in my heart, a relationship between me and God begins in that moment. As Romans 10, 9 and 10 says it, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him up from the dead, you will be saved. A salvation that begins in this moment and goes for all eternity. There is a gift that God is wanting to give to you, the gift of salvation, the gift of friendship with himself. It says, for with your heart you believe and you're justified. And it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. And today I'm gonna invite you to profess your faith in Jesus for some of you for the very first time, to confess him, to profess him as Lord of your life. See, some of us, when it comes to this whole idea of God, we we come from different backgrounds. And maybe you grew up in Islam. Maybe you grew up in a Buddhist family. Maybe you grew up as a Catholic and you've believed in God, but maybe this is the first time that you've, you've come and you've heard this message in a way that is clear and helpful for you to understand. This is how I begin a relationship with God. I would propose to you today that today can be the day that you begin a relationship with God. And that decision is the most important decision that you will ever make with your entire life. Your God who created you, created you for friendship with himself... And he invites you today to put your whole heart, your whole life into his hands. And when you do this, he is faithful to forgive you for your sins and bring you into relationship with himself. 1 John verse, chapter 1, verse 8 and 9 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. Why does it say that he's faithful and just? Because... For sins to be forgiven, there had to be a payment for our sins. And the only payment was for God himself to take our place on a cross. So when Jesus dies and he stretches out his arm on that cross and he breathes his last breath, it's to reconcile, it's to bridge the gap, to bring humanity back to the heart of God. And it declares that God is a holy God, a just God, a righteous God. And he's a merciful God, he's a compassionate God. And the cross of Jesus was the only solution to pay the price for us to come home. So by faith in him, confession of our sin back to him, when we come to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and watch this, and purify us from all unrighteousness. So what that means is when you came here today, There was brokenness, there was sin, there was guilt, there was shame from your past. And today it can all be wiped clean before God. And all it takes is you to turn to God in this moment right now and to yield your heart to him. I want to invite you right now to receive this great gift of eternal life from God. If you will bow your heads with me for a moment before we wrap up some of you today this is the day of your salvation this is the day for you to begin a relationship with god i appeal to you from the bottom of my heart jesus the son of god has conquered the grave he is alive he's not dead he's not in a tomb and he has come to make a way for you it's not about what you could do it's not about you earning it's not about you striving it's about you receiving in this moment this gift from god And today I invite you to receive by faith in Jesus, what he's done for you, to acknowledge, to receive. And if you're ready today, right now in that moment, I want you to repeat these words after me to admit. Say, God, I admit that I need a Savior. God, I believe that you've made a way that Jesus is the solution for my sin. And I confess today that you are Lord. I give you the keys to my life. I surrender to you. And thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for new life in you. And right now, as you are praying that prayer, he's he's changing you from the inside out. In just a moment, I'm gonna invite you to let us know that you made that decision. Others of you, maybe you're not ready to make that decision, but today you're ready to begin that journey to exploring your faith in God I want to invite you right now just from the bottom of your heart, maybe you're not ready to follow him, but just to say, God, I'm I'm not ready, but I'm ready to explore and willing to explore, and just a moment, I'm going to invite you to let us know today that you're saying, I'm ready to explore faith and what I believe about God. Now, there's one more commitment or one more group of people, and that's those of you, you have a relationship with God, but you've been running, and today is your day to come home. I want to invite you right now, just in this moment, just to say, God, I'm coming home, back to you. And as you return, he's welcoming you with open arms of love and compassion. God, thank you that in your kingdom, there's room enough for all of us. Thank you for your family that is your representation of your love and your joy here on planet Earth. Thank you that you are a God with open arms, no matter what our past is, that you call us into this place of grace with you, that we can receive your gift of eternal life. Thank you today for the people that are receiving that gift for the very first time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Can we thank God today for his goodness towards us?